0: Go to Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse uh, 44. We have the scripture on the screen as well. It says this Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44. It says this. This is Jesus talking. He says this. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And so today we're starting a brand new series, and we're talking about parables for life, parables for life. And this first message is really divided in two parts. The first part is going to be sort of an introduction to the concept of parables in general, and then the second part of this message, we're going to go into this specific parable. And so I want to ask you a question. Have you, have you ever been in a situation, it makes me laugh to think about this, because I think a lot of guys have been in this. If you're married, you've been in this situation, so I'm just... Already laughing. Have you ever been in a situation where, where you know you should be listening, but you're not? Like, like, it's happened to me with my spouse before. It's confession time. Where, where I know I have to be listening. And we're making eye contact. And she's looking at me. And I'm looking at her. And she's saying things. But I can't bring myself to be interested in the topic. And so I'm doing everything external that will lead her to believe that I'm listening. But, but it's not happening. And so I heard a comedian say this once, and I, I remember this because it's true. There was a moment where the, like the, um, the tone went up, so I knew that was a question, but I didn't know what the question was. And so I realized I was on thin ice, and so I think I like answered yes, but the yes was not appropriate to what it was. So anyway, it was a very uncomfortable situation. Have you ever been there where well, you should be listening, but you're not listening? Have you ever been on the other side of the spectrum where you know you're talking to someone and you can see in their eyes that they're not listening. They're acting like they're listening. They're making all the gestures. They're making all the eye, all the eye contact. But they're not actually listening. Have you ever felt that? i felt that before too. <laughs> don't point at the person who does. Don't do that. But, but have you ever been also in a situation where you're observing a conversation between two people and you're realizing that neither one of them are listening? They're not listening to each other. This happens in debates sometimes. You'll be talking about, about a certain subject, and neither one of the parties are actually interested in listening to the other person. All they're doing is waiting for a pause so that they can say what they're thinking. So they're not listening. They just want to get their point across. This is a big deal today. I think listening is a, is a hard thing to do. We see that in debates. Um, in, in our society, in, in our world, it seems like no one is really listening. But listening is, is hard work. It takes, it takes effort to actually listen. And as I was saying earlier, that's probably one of the problems that we have today. Some people call it echo chambers, like you're in an echo chamber, or you have what they call confirmation bias, which means that that all the people that surround you, all the things that you listen to or all the books that you read are only things that will confirm the things that you already know. So you lose perspective because all you're hearing is what you already believe to be true and so that creates a problem. It creates a problem and we've seen this and I want to I talk a little bit about this today because there are certain conversations and certain debates that at least give me some hope. Like, I've heard debates that you listen to both parties, and they could be on on separate or opposing sides of the spectrum, but both of them, even though they disagree on almost everything, are actually curious about the truth. And so you're on this side, and you're listening to the other person, and and you're you're actually assuming that maybe the other person uh, knows something that you don't. Those conversations are really interesting because both of them are trying to find the truth. And they will follow the evidence wherever it leads. But that kind of stuff is really really uncommon these days. Listening to one another, actually listening to the other side. Because there's fear in listening. There's fear. Because many of us have our ideas attached to our person. And so when someone is saying something that we disagree with, we feel like it's a personal attack. That's why things can get personal when you're having a conversation. But I think that, that ideas should be more like, let's say, a car crash. Or ideas should be more like, like, like a movie, right? Or, or ideas should be more like a, like a crime scene, right? So there are different witnesses. Different people saw the crime scene. Different people saw the car accident. Different people watched the movie. They watched the same thing, but they have different perspectives on the same idea, That's what happens when you detach yourself from your personal echo chamber or from your confirmation bias. You stay open. You stay open to to listening and knowing what the other people have to say. Seeking the truth wholeheartedly. Seeking the truth like I just want to know what is true. But listening is hard. It's very hard. And Jesus knew this. You see, this is not just true for us today. Jesus knew this about, about people. And what's true in Jesus' time is also true for us today. It was hard for people to listen back then, too, because many people they had their biases already. They knew what they thought that they knew and what they thought that they believed. They had all their preconceived notions. They had their identities also connected to their political views. They had their identities also connected to their religion. They had their identities also connected to their idea of what God is. And so Jesus had a challenge. Jesus had to find a way to break through all of this noise had to break through and, and get through to people, and he did. So much so that even till, to our present period of, period of time, we are quoting Jesus. Christians and non-Christians, we are remembering the teachings of Jesus. Turn the other cheek, the good Samaritan, right? The golden rule, do unto others as you would like them to do to you. You see, Jesus was a master teacher. He was a master, master teacher. And one of the reasons the teachings of Jesus were so memorable, because it was because he taught in a story form. Many times he would teach in a, in a story form. He would teach through, through stories. And now why did Jesus use stories? Why would Jesus choose to use stories? Because stories have a way of cutting through all the distractions. Stories are powerful. They're very, very powerful. Have you ever heard a boring lecture, like a very boring lecture? You're like, yes, pastor, every Sunday. <laughs> so, sorry, I'll try to be more entertaining. But, but you've, he- you've ever heard a boring lecture, and after you hear a boring lecture, you go back and like, I don't even know what the guy said, right? And then you can go to another boring lecture, and then you can walk away and say, you know what, I have no idea what that guy said. The only thing that I remember is that little story that he shared about how he met his wife. You see, stories are powerful. Stories are are memorable, and Jesus knew this. You'll remember a story. Stories are sticky. Even when I when I preach, I'll look out to you and I'll look out and I'm preaching and, and some of you guys seem like you're not interested at all and some of you guys are very, seem very interested but there's a thing like sometimes I'll be like, I don't think people are listening so then I'll go over here and I'll do like a gesture and then oh, people will kind of wake up a little bit, right? Or I'll, I'll do something, you know, it'll be a little bit louder and then it'll bring you guys, you guys' attention back. But there's nothing that does a better job than when you go into a story. The moment you go into a story people's attention is grabbed right away. So Jesus, of course, knew this. This is why he used stories. But the stories that Jesus used weren't just any kind of of stories. He chose a certain type of stories, which are called parables. These parables that Jesus taught. And so I want to define what a parable is in sort of like a a working definition that we can have throughout this whole series. A parable is this. It's an, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So a parable is, a, is an earthly story with, a, with a, heavenly, a heavenly meaning. And these parables weren't just regular stories. You see, number one, these stories were, were short. Generally, they were short stories which make, made them portable. So people would hear the story, they would remember it, and then they were able to share it with others. Another thing about these parables is that they weren't very detailed. There was not a lot of detail into these stories which also made them easy to remember and easy to share. But not only were they short and portable, but listen to this. This is important. They did not not possess an obvious meaning. It wasn't obvious. Like you would listen to a parable. You're like, I'm not sure what that meant exactly. That's why the, the disciples sometimes would go back to Jesus and say, hey, what was that? What were you talking about back then? Can you kind of unpack that a little bit for us? But that was intentional. Jesus would teach in parables with meanings that weren't necessarily obvious. He would do that intentionally. And the reason why he would do that intentionally is because he wanted to keep you thinking. He wanted you and I to do the exercise of discovering what the parable meant. It was very intentional. It, this encouraged dialogues. So you'd hear the parable, and then you're like, hey, what do you think he meant? What do you think he meant? It was a conversation. Uh, opener. It encouraged dialogue, which made the stories even more, more memorable. But here's the, the, one of the most important things about the parables, is that parables weren't just made to teach you something new. It wasn't just that. I would argue the most important thing about parable wasn't just to teach you something new, but to question what you thought you already knew. It would bring into question the things, the preconceived ideas, the preconceived notion, the the confirmation bias, these echo chambers that people were in, like, oh, I always thought that it was this way, but then they would hear a parable, and they're like, man, it seems like he's he's talking about something else. It seems like he's challenging some of these preconceived notions about God, about the world, about religion, about relationships, about politics. So that's what I hope will happen here as we go through these parables that we will be able to not just learn something new but to revisit the things that we thought were a certain way you see learning something true that you never knew is just as important or maybe even more important than unlearning something that you already thought was true but is actually false do you guys follow that which is something i hope to introduce today you see parables aren't just about learning they're also about unlearning, and I think unlearning is probably just as important as learning. So we will do that exercise today. Some of you guys uh, may know what the main theme of parables are. Does anyone know what the the, the 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 underlying theme of the parables are? It's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, over and over again. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And so I grew up believing that the kingdom of God was defined as the good place, the good place. Like there's, there's a good place and there's a bad place. And so you walk through life and then you do good things and you do bad things. And then you go through life and at the end of the day, if you did more good things than bad things, you would go to the good place. But if you did more bad things than good things, you go to the bad place. And so I thought that when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, he was talking about that, that good place that you go Uh, when you leave this earth and you spend eternity with God. So when I heard kingdom of heaven, that was my assumption. And it was also my assumption as I grew up was that there was a geographical space in which the kingdom of heaven was. So the kingdom of heaven was up and the bad place was down, correct? But here's the thing that you're going to, to discover. And I want you to discover this. You're going to discover... That that when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about something that will happen in the afterlife. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven being here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is among us. You can live the kingdom of heaven here and you can live it now. It's about this whole idea of heaven invading earth and humanity moving closer as Jesus begins to reconcile all things through Jesus. Um, Jesus is introducing, as you will discover in these parables, Jesus is introducing the kingdom of heaven, and he's inviting you to live in that kingdom that is here available at hand now. He's introducing a new way of life. He's introducing a new way to think. He's introducing uh, generosity triumphing over greed. He's introducing forgiveness triumphing over resentment he's introducing an upside down kingdom where the last are first and you die to live and you give to receive this is the kingdom that jesus is is talking about and it is all happening here and now jesus comes announcing that there's a new kingdom that is rising and taking over our present kingdom our present mentality our present way of doing things this is what jesus is introducing and this is what jesus speaks on in his parables And he uses these parables to describe what the kingdom of heaven is like. That's why Jesus will say over and over again, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And I'm like, why don't you just tell me what it is? Why do you have to tell me what it's like? Just tell me what it is. Just be straight up, tell me this is what the kingdom is. And you're like, okay, now I know what it is. Thank you for telling me that. But it's not that simple. Because how do you tell someone about something? How do you tell someone about something? How do you tell someone about something that they've never experienced? How do you tell someone about a flavor of ice cream that they've never tasted, right? Well, what you do is you use the the known to explain the unknown. And here's what I mean. If I'm trying to explain to you what a flavor of ice cream is and and you've never tasted it, I'm going to say something like, well, it's kind of like a a mixture between strawberry and chocolate is somewhere in between and you're like okay something that like, sounds nasty by the way right just that flavor but but you try to explain the flavor by something that you know you, you explain the unknown by the known if you try to describe a personality of someone that you've never met right you're going to explain the known sorry you're going to explain the unknown by the known so i'm going to say i met this guy he's pretty cool well what what is he like well he's like a He's got like the sense of humor of Tony, but he's got like the sensibility of CK, right? So you're like, okay, so I got kind of a general idea of what it's like. But the problem is when you try to describe something that that no one has any categories for, like how do you explain something to someone that they don't have any categories for? Like they've never been to the beach before. They've never even seen a picture of the beach. They've never even heard the beach. How do you explain it? How do you explain what it means like to be... To be a father, for example, to someone who's never been a father, who's never experienced it, who thinks it's just like an, a, an upgrade from having a, a, a dog, right? Oh, it's kind of the same. Like, no, dude, it's not the same thing. It's so different. But how do you explain it, you know? And so the reason why I say that is because Jesus ex- is trying to explain to us and to the disciples the kingdom of heaven and how do you find categories to be able to describe it? So he goes over and over and over again saying the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And so in this series, we're going to be looking at, at six of these parables. And my hope is that together we will, we will get to a better understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is, of, of us to be able to unlearn what it is not, and for us to be able to learn how to live in the kingdom of heaven, And so today we're going we're gonna to start off with the first one, is the parable of the hidden treasure. That's the, that's the parable for today. The parable of the hidden treasure is what we're going to talk about this morning. So the hidden treasure, Jesus is trying to emphasize the value of the kingdom of heaven. That's the, that's the goal here. He wants you to understand how valuable the kingdom of heaven is. And so we've all lost things before, right? Like I lost my wallet at Six Flags like three years ago. Lost my wallet. It was gone, you know. It was kind of a drag. You had to replace, you know, debit card and also driver's license. All that kind of stuff It was like, eh, that was kind of a a drag. But some of you guys have lost more than that. Like infinitely more than that. You've had huge material losses. You've had huge friendship losses. You've had people even recently, who have, who have died and left, left this earth. That's a, that's a big, big loss of something very very valuable. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's referring to the value of the kingdom. He wants them to feel the value of what the kingdom of heaven is in this parable. So I'm going to go ahead and read it again. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through, through 46. It says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like... Jesus is, is, is realizing that we're, that we're all on a search. We are all looking for something in our lives. Every single day, we're, we're looking for something. We're, we're searching for something. I was talking to my, to my older son the other day, and I was, I was trying to make a joke, but it never works. I was, Dad jokes. Just, he's like looks at me like, Dad, you're so lame. Like, I don't even understand. I was trying to make this joke, because he scrolls through his phone a lot, like most kids do. He's kind of scrolling, 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 scrolling. I'm like, Justin, did you... Did you finally find what you're looking for? Did you find it? Have you found it? You've been looking for three years. Did you find that thing that you're looking Because in my mind, I'm like, there's going to come a day when he's going to be looking at his phone, and he's like, I finally found it. And then he's just going to throw it away. <laughs> See, that's, I think that's really hilarious. That whole idea in my mind of him finally finding it. But I think the, the concept of a phone and, and scrolling is kind of a repre- representation of what life is like. We're all looking. We're looking. We're looking for the next thing, the next thing. Like we're trying to, to find something. Something. It's like the old U2 song that says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That song speaks to us because, because it is so, so true. We're looking. We're looking. We're looking for meaning. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for joy, stability, happiness. We talked last week about shalom, the sense of like, finally, I have found it. We're In that search, and Jesus knows that. We search for it in everything we do. So the parable is addressing this. We are all looking for our own proverbial treasure. We are all looking for our own proverbial pearl of great value. Another thing that's important about this is that it it highlights the fact that it is hidden, that the kingdom of of heaven is, is, is hidden. Like we have to, it's not. In plain sight. You have to work for it. You have to find it. There's this search that takes place. And the result of that search is the promises you will you will find it. You will ultimately find what you're looking for, which reminds me what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. He says this: it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be, will be opened. Some of you guys need to hear this today. Some of you guys need to hear this today because, because if you're searching, I want to I invite you to keep going. Keep going. Don't just settle. Keep searching. Some of you guys are on the fence about Jesus today. You're like, I don't know. I don't want to discourage. I don't want to, like, just keep going. Keep going. There's a promise that you will find what you're looking for. You will. You will. Keep going. Don't attach yourself to your your preconceived ideas. Open yourself up to learn and to unlearn. You see, the kingdom of heaven is not just a one and done. Oh found the kingdom of heaven. I can put that away and continue with my life. No, the kingdom of heaven is like a a box that you open, and in that box, there's three more boxes. And then each of those three boxes has three more boxes, and every box that you open is better than the one before. Keep going. This is a journey that we are all on. See, there's a promise of a response when we seek. It says, you will find. So this is a question for you, Christian, non-Christian, on the fence, having questions in your life. I'm asking you this, are you seeking? Or are you just going through the motions? I'm seeking. I'm still, I keep going. I keep going. I'm going to keep going. And the promise is this. You see, they found it. They found, he found that treasure. The merchant found that pearl. And what they find is so valuable that they sell all their possessions. That is the value of the kingdom of heaven. It implies that the kingdom of heaven has a price that needs to be paid. The kingdom of heaven wasn't free. The pearl of great price wasn't free. This would cost them everything. And you're like, Pastor, like I don't want more work. Like I'm so busy. i got to work for this thing. I got, my schedule is jam-packed. I've got no time to seek for the kingdom of heaven. I'm already exhausted. It's not what that is. You see, that's very important what it says here. It says, says because, he says it here. It says, in his, listen to this, this word I'm about to say, in his, in his joy, okay? In his joy, he went and sold everything he had. In his joy. Why is that word important? Because the assumption is that, is that we are to give up all of our lives. Give up. So you may think, I feel like I'm yelling a lot. I'm going to bring it down a little bit. This is very important because the assumption is that the, call, the, the, the invitation today is to, to give up all of our lives. To sell everything. To give up your whole life in order to then receive the kingdom of heaven. That's not what the parable is about. The parable is this. The parable is this person is seeking, and he's still seeking, and he's still seeking, and he finds something that is so valuable that nothing else makes sense in his life other than selling everything in order to possess that. That is very different, brothers and sisters. It's very different. It's almost like like a million-dollar home, and you're like, that's an expensive house. But the person says, I will give that house to you for $1,000. Are you kidding me right now? But the problem is, I don't have $1,000. What will you do? Hey, you will do anything to get that money. You will sell your clothes. You will wash windows. You will sell your, your, yourself. Like, you will do anything to be able to have that money to buy that house. Not because, oh, I got to do all these things in order to earn that house. It's because it's the only thing that makes sense to do that. That's the value of the kingdom, of heaven. It's what they discovered. They discovered the ultimate value of this. Like, this is the only thing that makes sense. They'll do whatever it takes joyfully. Like, this, I'm so excited. Like, I'm so happy. I know what I have to do. Now, this is the only thing that has value in my life. And so my question to you this morning is this. How is the search going? How is the search going are you seeking? Are you still seeking? Are you still hungry? I I believe that if you're here today, it's because you are seeking and you are hungry. That's the invitation today to keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep asking questions. Keep moving forward. Keep looking through the scriptures and you will discover hopefully in these parables too like, oh man, that's, that's what he actually was saying. I always thought it was this, but now it's that. That's part of this process. That's part of this journey that we're going to be on on together. So I'm going to end with this. Um, I hope I deliver this properly. That's my inner voice saying, like, oh, I hope this comes across well. I'm sharing that with you. Like, I want to share something with you that I think will be very valuable. I heard someone once say that, that the value of something is determined by the price someone is willing to pay for it. So my wife and I, we're in the process now of selling our house. We have our house in Chile. We're selling it. And there's a process that takes place through the, the, the appraiser has to go, he has to say this is what the house is worth. And then we decide, you know, what we're going to decide to sell it for. So he's got his version of like the value of the house, and I've got my version of what the value of the house I think is. But the value of the house is really determined by the price someone is willing to pay. Right? Marcos? Yeah. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. You assume you're going to sell a house for a certain price. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. But the value of something is defined by the price someone is willing to pay. And so maybe you're here this morning, and you're questioning your own value. Like, I don't even know if I'm valuable. I don't know if I'm valuable. Like, you have your opinion, your version of what you believe your value is, and you may take your cues from other people and how they value you, and they they have their own opinions about you. But the reality is that your value is determined by one thing and one thing only. By the price someone is willing to pay for you. Jesus paid the ultimate price for you. So if you ever wonder what your value is, each one of you here, you are worth the price of Jesus. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond to this amazing thing That the scripture tells us, well, we respond by living our lives in the kingdom that Jesus died to establish. And you may think about the kingdom and you may say under the same principle, yeah, the kingdom is valuable. It's valuable to me. But the reality is that the, the value of the kingdom for you is determined by the price that you're willing to pay to live in this kingdom. And so here's the invitation. Here's the invitation today. Is that you will begin. This journey is also about trying things. You want to try things. So living in the kingdom of God means this. Replacing greed with generosity. It means replacing revenge with love. It means replacing selfishness with compassion. It means replacing resentment, with forgiveness. It's living in this kingdom, beginning to live in the kingdom. And so I don't know what you're going through today. There's no way for me to know exactly what each person is going through today. But I want to ask if we can maybe close our eyes for a minute and bow our heads, and I'm going to say a few things, and then we're going to, we're going to pray. Because this morning, maybe you're here, and, and you're just You're discovering new things. You're here. You're you're walking. You're you're getting close to God. You're asking questions. You're wondering if the Bible is even true. You're wondering if the resurrection actually happened. You're, You're wondering these things. And these are good questions. They're good questions. I don't want to discourage them. But I also want to encourage you this morning to keep walking, to keep searching, to hold your truths loosely. Realizing that these parables Jesus used to, act, to, to invite questions to be asked about what it actually means to walk in this world, what are we called to do. So the invitation this morning for, for all of you today is to begin grasping this kingdom, life, replacing greed with generosity, dying to live turning the other cheek, all these things that seem strange or counterintuitive, it's an invitation. It's the invitation that Jesus is making to the people listening and it's the invitation that he's making to us today. That we will walk this walk, live in the kingdom, and realize as we go along that this is the most valuable thing that we could ever do. So, Lord God, we thank you for for these moments that we share together. We thank you because you are a good God. We thank you because you have allowed for us to to begin this journey through these parables that will begin to give us perspectives on what the kingdom of heaven is like and how we're invited to live in it. I pray for everyone who's here, who's heard this message and, and is being challenged right now. I want to pray, God, that we will all keep looking, that we will all keep holding on to that promise that the kingdom of heaven is here and we are called to live in it now. It's a new way to live. It's an upside down kingdom where the first are last, where you die to live, where you give to receive. But I pray that these won't just be words on a page but that we'll begin to live in this kingdom. That's the invitation for today. So we thank you so much, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.